Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Two years ago, I visited a senior citizen center for the first time. Why? Because at 68, I didn't think I was old. Well, it turns out other boomers feel the same way, according to Jill Graskwitz, who talks about her parents. They don't look like a senior, they don't act like a senior, they don't go to senior centers, and they said, well, I don't, I don't really fit in there. Well, why don't you fit in? Well, everyone's old. I'm like, <coughs> you, you're kind of old. Jill runs a local senior center that is catering to the young oldsters. She'll be in in a few minutes. Now let's hear something that doesn't make much sense a rural area surrounded by farms, but with little access to fresh food. A lot of communities in the area honestly lack grocery stores um, or farmer market setups. Um, while we do have a lot of agriculture in this area, it is commercial based. So Karen Jensen Britton plans to put the farm on wheels, so to speak. Then we'll look at how mental health was treated in early days, like in my early childhood. It was strange. Here I was among all those people, and at the same time, I felt as if I were looking at them from someplace far away. The whole place seemed to me like a deep hole, and the people down in it like strange animals, like, like snakes. That's Olivia de Havilland in one of the first films to treat mental illness seriously, Snake Pit, made in 1948. We think you should see it again. And speaking of mental health, we'll discuss COVID in the brain, and it's not good. A COVID vaccine initiative, that's good. Coffee in the brain, even better. And we'll have some stats about how big the baby boomers generation is in general and what's happening to us health-wise. And now let's talk about food, good food that you can get right in your community basically a traveling farmer's market. Um, the goal of this market is to bring product that you would normally see at a weekly market uh, to specific locations. Uh, right now we are kind of in phase one of the project where we are seeking out um, communities that are lacking um, either grocery stores or farmer's markets, uh, lack of fresh product. Um, so right now we have our first location set up in Carterville, uh, Williamson County. Um, we do that every Thursday evening, dependent either at the Farm Fresh location in Carterville or at the Carterville Sunset Concerts. Now one would think, considering Southern Illinois is a big farming area, that uh, you wouldn't need something like this. So what is the problem with people getting fresh produce? So a lot of communities in the area honestly lack grocery stores um, or farmer market setups. Um, while we do have a lot of agriculture in this area, it is commercial based. Um, that and just having um, easy access to fresh local product is not available in most communities in Southern Illinois. I know in Carterville they closed the last supermarket a while back. Exactly. Um, so I believe they're having uh, a dollar store or a um, family Dollar Tree pop up. And even within those types of grocery sto 
stores, you are dealing with highly processed food. Very rarely are you seeing local fresh product. And that's a very typical scenario in Southern Illinois communities, just to have those uh, dollar trees, dollar um, generals um, as their option for buying groceries. I was in a uh, grocery store looking for spaghetti sauce because I don't want to have any sugar in it. And it took me probably 10 minutes to fa find a jar of spaghetti sauce. And it was about a third of a counter worth of probably 30 or 40 spaghetti sauces. So you don't put other things into the food, right? Um, in regards to our fresh foods, no. You're, you're seeing fresh foods in their whole form. So, you know, fresh picked tomatoes, fresh lettuce, um, items like that, whole food items. Now, as far as a baby boomer is concerned, as we get older, uh, they tell us to eat more healthy because some of us have diabetes. I've got diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I'm controlling the diabetes with one pill and diet and exercise. Same thing with the uh, blood pressure. Um, what you're doing is you're providing, I guess, basically unadulterated food to people. Correct. Um, the goal with any sort of uh, health issues, you are what you eat. Um, so if you are eating those highly processed foods, uh, that could be problematic, especially in regards to uh, controlling your blood sugar. So having whole healthy food available to you, grown in a sustainable manner, uh, in basically your own backyard is the most optimal way to eat. Okay, let's say a senior doesn't have a lot of money, but they get SNAP or food stamps. Now, some places I know uh, don't allow that, particularly at some some of the farmers markets in the area. What about you? Yes, uh, our mobile market does offer uh, the SNAP program. You can run your link card. Um, kind of another benefit through the market is you we offer link match, which is basically you can run your card for $25 and we will match that $25 with link match coupons that offers you $25 in free fresh produce. So you're basically doubling your $25 with $50 to spend at the market. That's a lot of produce. That is, and that's um, for folks on a very tight income, that makes a big difference, uh, that $25 in, in fresh produce. Now, this fresh produce, of course, is going to be of a higher quality than, say, produce you might get at a grocery store that is made in a big farm, possibly here in southern Illinois. What is the difference between your produce and uh, big farmer produce in southern Illinois? So um, part of it's depending on how that farmer raises that product. Our product is... Um, organic in nature, meaning that the farmers aren't spraying pesticides. Um, they are using regenerative um, implements like um, compost, things like that to basically provide the healthiest product, product possible. Um, and this product is basically grown within 10-15 miles of the Carbondale area for the most part. So you're not getting, you're basically getting product picked the night before, so at its freshest state, and then it's not getting shipped or handled um, by multiple entities and going hundreds of miles away, even 
in some cases, a lot of produce comes from other countries. Um, and you're not getting that with this. You are getting it basically grown in your own backyard. Now, this is a new service, is it not? And it's totally non-commercial. Right. We are, um, this is done by a nonprofit organization, uh, FoodWorks. Uh, the goal of FoodWorks is to basically provide access to local fresh foods uh, through many of its programs along with farmer training. And then we also do what we call field day events where individuals who are interested in how learning how their food grows can go to local farms, uh, see the setup, learn how the product is uh, grown and made, and then um, kind of get some local resources um, beyond that. Now this is a new program and you're starting out in Carterville. Do you, do you have any other places planned or are you looking at other places? Absolutely. Um, our, the little bit of a hang up we're seeing, uh, in right now, um, like a lot of most people with manufacturing, our big vehicle, which is basically going to be a truck that folds out and displays the product, is still being produced in Canada. Um, so we don't have the vehicle in hand. Uh, at this time, we're just doing like your traditional farmer's market set up with tables and tents. So once that vehicle um, comes to us, hopefully later this fall, um, we will it will make it easier for us to go from one location to another uh, in a day. Um, so the goal is to do six to eight locations uh, by next year throughout Southern Illinois. Now, will you have any activities during the winter? Uh, we will hopefully continue to do our pop-ups. Um, we are look are looking for other uh, locations to kind of, to do those uh, during the week. Um, we're kind of waiting to see when the truck will be available and what weather's going to be like. Um, but for folks who do want to access fresh local foods, FoodWorks does have a indoor farmer's market, Carbondale Community Farmer's Market, that takes place at the University Mall through the months of December uh, through March that will also be offering great local fresh produce along with the Lincoln's um, SNAP benefits. Karen Jensen Britton talking about the upcoming mobile farmers market. Check out the Southern Illinois Farmers Market Facebook page, localfarmers.marketus, or the website, fwsoil.org. The mobile farmers market will be serving the people of Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois is located uh, where two rivers come together, the Ohio and the Mississippi. The news is right now. news on OK Boomer. And we got a lot of it. Let's go to our favorite disease that everyone hates to hear about. Researchers at the University of Queensland in Australia have discovered viruses such as COVID can cause brain cells to fuse, causing malfunctions that lead to chronic neurological problems. Professor Massimo Hilliard and Dr. Ramon Martinez-Marmol from the Queensland Brain Institute have explored how viruses alter the function of the nervous system. The viruses that causes COVID-19 has been detected in the brains of people with long COVID months after their initial infection, and I have long COVID, and I know. Now, Professor Hilliard says we discovered COVID-19 causes neurons to undergo a cell fusion process, which has not been seen before, and once neurons fuse, they don't die. 
He said they either start firing at the same time or they stop functioning altogether. As an analogy, Professor Hilliard likened the role of neurons to that of wires connecting switches to the lights in a kitchen and a bathroom. He said once fusion takes place, each switch either turns on both the kitchen and bathroom lights at the same time or neither of them. He said it's bad news for the two independent circuits. Now, the discovery offers a potential explanation for persistent neurological effects after viral infection. Dr. Martinez Marmol said, in the current understanding of what happens when a virus enters the brain, there are two outcomes, either cell death or inflammation. But we've shown a third possible outcome with neuronal fusion. Dr. Martinez Marmol said, Numerous viruses cause cell fusion in other tissues, but also infect the nervous system and could be causing the same problem here. He said these viruses include HIV, rabies, Japanese encephalitis, measles, herpes simplex virus, and Zika virus. He added that our research reveals a new mechanism for the neurological events that happen during a viral infection. This is potentially a major cause of neurological diseases and clinical symptoms that is still unexplored. As for me, I spent about a month unable to tie my shoes or to button the buttons on my shirt. Didn't have that problem since first grade. We go on. The National Council on Aging reports that vaccine uptake initiative grantees, which number 180 local organizations, will conduct tailored outreach host vaccine clinics and offer services like scheduling and transportation to help older adults and people with disabilities get the updated COVID-19 and flu vaccines. The grantees, located in 38 states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico, range from senior centers to state and local health departments to community clinics. Funded by the U.S. Administration for Community Living, NCOA's initiative will administer nearly 316,000 COVID and flu vaccines. We'll keep you up to date on that. And this from the Population Reference Bureau. It's about us. The current growth, people ages 65 and older, is one of the most significant demographic trends in the history of the United States. Baby boomers, those born between 46 and 64, have brought both challenges and opportunities to the economy, infrastructure, and institutions that they have passed through each major stage of life. Although U.S. policymakers and others have had many decades to plan for the inevitable aging of the baby boom cohort, it is not clear that sufficient preparations have been made to meet baby boomers' anticipated needs in old age. Now, I'm 70. I don't consider myself an old age. Maybe when I hit 75. Anyway, the aging of the baby boom generation could fuel a 75% increase in the number of Americans ages 65 and older requiring nursing home care. That's about 2.3 million in 2030 from 1.3 million in 2010. The report, Aging in the United States, examines recent trends and disparities among adults ages 65 and older and how baby boomers will reshape America's older population. In 2016, baby boomers will be between ages 52 and 70. That was back in 2016. The report notes that the number of Americans aged 65 and older is on a course to more than double from 46 million to over 98 million by 2060. And while the 65 and older group share of the population will rise to nearly 24% from 15%. BRP observes that baby boomers are living longer than previous generations. They also have, on average, higher levels of education and more work experience, which bode well for their economic security in old age. 
But there are some bad things. Obesity rates among older adults have been increasing, standing at about 40% of 65 to 70-year-olds from 2009 to 2012 and putting more people at risk of chronic disease and disability. So that's the latest about we, the baby boomers. Now, as we reported on OK Boomer several times, we boomers don't behave like the elderly of the past. We don't even like being labeled elderly. I don't. And because the words Senior Citizen Center suggest old people, <laughs> boomers have been staying away from senior centers. Yep, that's what's been happening. That's why senior centers such as Club 60 are changing. Jill Graskowitz runs Club 60 and explains that boomers are different from the older senior citizens that they are slowly but surely replacing. So seniors are getting out more. And when I say senior, I mean age 60 plus you might have someone who retires at 55 and they're more than welcome but 60 years old and above we are becoming more tech savvy we are wanting more we're looking younger we're acting younger we're getting more physically fit and physically able to go out and do things so we've had to adapt because at club 60 we have realized that um, aging is very liquid right now and it's not just bingo it is not just bingo bingo is fun everybody loves bingo except for me i have a prejudice against bingo in a senior citizen center because if i played bingo i'd feel old now if i played bingo at siu with the students i'd feel young I can't keep up with bingo. All these people and their cards and their daubers and they got the numbers and the... No, I can't do it. I need more trolls or something around me as lucky things. But we have found that there is life beyond bingo. Thank heavens. <laughs> so some exciting news at Club 60. We are redoing several of our things. The first thing that we are redoing is our pool room. So billiards this has become a big thing our guys go in there and we've even had some ladies uh, you know they said hey could we get some new uh, cues and and balls and all these fancy things like, sure i wrote it into our budget uh, i talked to the city about it and we absolutely want to advance what our seniors can do and move with that so our billiards room is going to be getting a complete makeover uh, with a, a big flat screen TV. Um, they got new pool equipment. Uh, we're going to be getting a dartboard and a cool new um, pool cue and stick rack. I don't even know if a pool cue and a pool stick are the same thing. I'm not really sure. I would definitely lose in one of our tournaments. <laughs> I'd be a sitting duck. Um, I, I interviewed some of these guys, as you know, and they're pretty sharp. Oh, they're I mean, absolutely. You would never know that one of the people you were talking to is 96 years old. And it, it just baffles me. And we've got people that are... 60 years old playing 96 year olds and the 96 year old will whip them up and down just all the way to the car 
and um, they have a really good time and they look forward to the tournaments and they look forward to playing with each other every day and it's it's a really good social and physical activity for them to do and to do it in a safe place that is not you know at a bar or if do they even have local pool halls anymore i'm not sure i don't know so in addition to the pool we had some special requests when we were putting our our new budget together and things that we could um, incorporate that are new and fun and will be challenging to our seniors one of them is a laser die cutting machine and engraving machine so we've got some gentlemen who are really excited about um, engraving some of their pocket knives engraving some of their mugs engraving their pool sticks and we've got um, some of the ladies who do crafts who are excited about making uh, different things like keychains and uh, pictures wall hangings and also you know their mugs as well so that is something um, that we just recently got in the seniors will be putting it together themselves because they're actually better with power tools than i am so it's it's a great project for them and then we're all going to learn together how to use this so everyone's at the base level there is no advantage um, of anybody we're all going to learn at one time then the other thing that we just recently received new is our picture printing machine from kodak and we have a lot of seniors who have a difficulty with their cell phones so every tuesday we obviously have tech tuesday where you can come in and we'll help you conquer all kinds of problems from SD cards to how to switch the volume to it won't connect to the internet and um, uh, one of my favorites was I'm going to trade in my Apple iPad because it won't let me play my solitaire anymore I'm just gonna go buy a new one I said no 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 you don't have to do that we just need to update the app um, and that was totally foreign to them so you can imagine um, pictures have changed over the last several decades. We used to have uh, cameras and you know the film and then we moved on to disposable cameras and you would drop those off at your, you know your local drugstore and you would get them back in a week. Now we have these cell phones that everyone is carrying around and you're taking selfies and we can take the selfie now but then what do we do with it? Where do we go? They go into the drugstore and like they're very intimidated. It's a touch screen. You gotta find all these wires and plug your device up to it. And if you don't have help, it's very difficult. So bypass the drugstore. You can come here. We will help you print out your photos for a very nominal charge and it could be done very easily and very quickly. You might just need one 
and that's all you want and that's what like our scrapbooking club is doing they ask for this um, new technology because they did have difficulty going to the drugstore to print out the pictures that they wanted to put in their scrapbook so they said hey if you know if we turn this into a little fundraiser can we get one of these absolutely we will do that for you so that is um, just a, another new thing that we're adding and we're going to continue to add as we find our seniors needs and wants and um, things that can keep them young and healthy and upbeat I talked uh, last summer to Becky Salazar of the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, and she says some of the problems uh, with seniors going to senior centers is the boomers didn't go, and it looks like you're making changes to attract boomers. So my parents are 66, 68, and my in-laws are 72. They don't look like a senior, they don't act like a senior, they don't go to senior centers, and my big question to them is why? And they said, well, I don't, I don't really fit in there. Well, why don't you fit in? Well, everyone's old. I'm like, <coughs> you, you're kind of old, you know? And they're like, we're not old. Okay, well, you are only as old as you act. Well, I agree with them. I'm 70. I'm not old. No, you're not old. You don't act old. You don't no, look old. No. And you certainly don't want to be called old. No. Which is why we're called Club 60 instead of a senior center. Senior center. Well, we're Club 60. You go, you go to the club. Go to the club, yeah. Yeah. Shoot pool. Yeah, you're part of the ball. club. It's, it's a club. Develop pictures. A senior club. Yeah. Eat. But we're cool here. Yeah, cool. So I don't see them as old because they're off doing things. They go to concerts. They go to ball games. They go shopping. Um, there's no telling what you could find my parents and my, my, my mother-in-law, 72 years old. She might weigh 120 pounds soaking wet. And the woman has a chainsaw. For defense or to build something? Oh, no, she wants to, to, she loves yard work, loves gardening, and she likes to cut down trees and, and things. And, you know, it's it's so ad admiring um, to be 72, to not look at or act it, and to operate heavy machinery with no supervision. My husband doesn't let me do that. He even took away just my regular trimmers. Because you're too young. I'm too young. You yes. have to be over 60. Yes, I have to have supervision. <laughs> um, so we wanted to change the way that aging is seen, to, in, to be all-inclusive. And to do that, you have to know who your target audience is and what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what they need to continue to grow and develop. And that's exactly what we did. We talked to our people and we continue to do that. Even right now, as we're working on the July menu, I make sure to ask everybody. We have announcements every morning uh, before we have lunch. And that is one thing that I ask is, does anyone have any special requests for something to eat? for next month's menu. I always have a few people say, oh, you know, we love the roast beef, or um, my mom used to make salmon patties with cream peas and almond rice. Okay, we can try that. Um, 
you know, just people's favorites and something that's going to make them happy. And I know as well as you know that food makes people happy. Mm-hmm. That's how I snagged my husband. You snagged your husband by cooking? Well, I pretended to cook. And then he figured out I really couldn't cook. And so, you know, we've we've struggled with that. But but Jill and her husband have been happily married for decades. Jill Graskowitz, director of Club 60 in Marion, Illinois, north of where the Mississippi and Ohio rivers come together. It's time to get up. Oh, it hurts. And we have one more story for you, and it concerns coffee. Here it is. Let's walk to the coffee machine. Let's let's walk, and we're on our way. And here's the story. Many coffee drinkers will tell you that there's something about that morning cup that other sources of caffeine just can't match. Researchers in Portugal recently set out to investigate the question, is caffeine solely responsible for making people feel more alert? Or do coffee smell or taste trigger that energetic feeling? Well, researchers uh, recruited something like um, 83 people who drank at least one cup of coffee a day to undergo MRI scans so they could observe the participants' brain activity. Hold on for a second. Hmm. We have uh, the coffee already made here. Of that total, 47 people, mmm, it's good, were scanned before drinking their morning cup of coffee. Then again, 30 minutes after they had a cup, the 36 others were simply given caffeine diluted in hot water, no coffee, and underwent the same types of MRI scans before and after they consumed the beverage. The results, published last week in the journal Frontiers in Behavioral Neuroscience, suggest that indeed certain changes in brain activity were attributable only to coffee, while others were attributable to caffeine as well. The scans revealed that both groups had decreased activity afterward in a part of the brain that puts people in a resting state. Yeah, I can attest to that really easily. Hmm that indicated that people were more ready to start their days and engage with others after consuming either beverage. Decades of research has already shown that caffeine, a psychostimulant, can help people feel more aroused and alert. However, the MRI scan showed that drinking coffee increased activity in parts of the brain involved in short-term memory, attention, and focus, whereas ingesting caffeine on its own did not. Who would want to ingest caffeine on its own anyway? Now, the researchers theorized that the sight, smell, or taste of coffee may help people feel alert, regardless of the caffeine content. That calls for a sip. Hey everybody, it's the White Raven from the Hot 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 Louisiana Gumbo Pot, right here on WDBX, Sundays, 12 to 2. Join me and all the Gumbo Pot heads, where I'll be bringing you all the best music from Louisiana, New Orleans, the Bayou, with a little bit of Delta Blues thrown in for good measure. So all you swamp rats, grab your Zydeco shoes, meet me in the Gumbo Pot at high noon. We always pass a good time, chef. Peace, love, and Zydeco. Aye! Hi, I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. The world is dark enough. So we like to keep it fun and light. Join us for 30 minutes of fact-filled fun every week. On the Off-Ramp Trivia Podcast. You'll hear fascinating facts about history, music, discovery, weird animals, and everything in between. Including little-known facts about well-known people. Each week. Right here. 
on The The Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show. Are you an aspiring author looking to get your book published? Look no further than Tech Time Publishing Company. At Tech Time, we specialize in bringing the best books to readers everywhere. Our team of experienced editors and designers work closely with authors to bring their stories to life, ensuring every book is of the highest quality. But that's not all. Tech Time also offers a unique service to translate and narrate books and revenue sharing. This means that our talented team of translators and narrators will be compensated with a share of the book sales. So whether you're an author, translator, or narrator, Tech Time is the place to be. Join our community of book lovers and let us help you bring your stories to the world. Visit our website today to learn more. That's techtime.it. Techtime.it. After we hear about our AARP Minute, which starts with scams, you know, this happens to a lot of people, particularly baby boomers, then we'll have my review of The Snake Pit. Now, this is a program or a film you might have seen years ago, but it might pay to see it again to see the way mental patients were treated 70 years ago. That's next after the AARP Minute. The Federal Trade Commission has proposed a rule to crack down on businesses using deceptive reviews. It would penalize companies that use fake reviews, suppress honest negative reviews, or pay for positive ones. About three in four people say they have encountered fake reviews about a product, according to a poll by Consumer Reports. Always be suspicious of over-enthusiastic reviews that don't explain why the product or service is good. Retail traffic slows in the summer, so companies offer heavy discounts to lure shoppers back. Tools and other hardware supplies tend to have large promotions for people working on summer projects. Look for deals on summer clothes, such as sundresses and swimsuits, as stores hope to make room for their fall fashions. Electronics will see discounts for Amazon Prime Day in the middle of the month, and some competitors will lower their prices to match. That's your AARP Minute. We're going to be going into a film that was probably the first serious look at mental illness on film. Olivia de Havilland stars as an outwardly normal young woman. As her behavior becomes more and more erratic, however, her kindly husband decides that she needs professional help. She is sent to an overcrowded state hospital, which is nothing new. Most state hospitals are still overcrowded, and this happened in 1948. In this film, considering the year, they really didn't pull any punches. Now, like I said, 17 hot and tough disguises females surrounded me. Don't shoot, I told them, no shooting around here. It's hot and hot mile from the middle of Long Island to the end of Manhattan. These are the sounds of a state mental hospital, circa 1948. Or to be more precise, this is the sound of Hollywood finally confronting mental illness. One of the great stars of the cinema, Olivia de Havilland, started The Adventures of Robin Hood in 1938 and in Gone with the Wind in 1939, wanted to make this film about mental illness because for years Hollywood never wanted to touch the subject. De Havilland played a woman by the name of Virginia Cunningham from Chicago who had just gotten married but immediately slided into a mental disorder. She wound up in a state hospital in New York that was overcrowded. She ain't anymore. Very sick, you know. 
I will do it again. I promise. Let me go in. Trouble is, for you, each case is the one. For us, it's one of thousands. Yes, Curtis, one of thousands, even millions. But only by trying to make each case the one can we really help the patient. I happen to have here some of the more recent statistics. Oh, yes, here they are. Sometimes even we doctors must face reality. Number of patients in reception building six months ago, 537. Originally, it was designed for 312 patients. Today, the number of patients in the same building, 718. This morning, we were asked to admit 43 new cases. Do you care to hear how many we actually could take? 16. And those only by putting more mattresses in some of the day rooms. Yes, Kick. We don't have enough bed space. We don't have enough beds or sheets. We haven't got enough of anything but patients. Virginia Cunningham was slated to be released pending the approval by the psychiatric board. Dr. Kick, her psychiatrist, disagreed. He didn't think she was ready. And she proved it in a thunderstorm. Now, Virginia, that's your name, isn't it? If you know it, why do you ask me? I understand you want to leave us. Yes. Oh, yes, I do. The sooner the better. Now, right away. I'll do anything to get out of here. That's good. Now then, Virginia, just relax and tell me, where were you living when you became ill? New York. Where in New York? New York City. I mean, where in New York City? Manhattan. Yes? Yes. I mean, go on. Go on about what? I'm trying to find out your address in New York. Oh, I knew all the time that's what you meant, but I don't know. Please, God, please help me. I'm sure you know your own address. Just think a moment. I've forgotten it. I never could remember figures. What street did you live on? Waverly? No. Bleecker? No, that was Helene Carter. Or was it Jennifer? Hudson, maybe. No, it wasn't Hudson. I can't remember. Your husband's been here to see you? Yes. How often does he come here? As often as the rule allows. How often is that? Why, don't you know? <laughs> I know. I know all about it. I'm simply trying to find out if you know. I can't see what difference it makes. Would you change the rules? <laughs> please, folks. Virginia, will you please answer the questions? It'll make it easier for all of us. I'm trying. What's your husband's occupation? He works for some publishers. No, that was way back. He's a farmer. Isn't he? I thought he was an auditor. Oh, yes, yes, for the Alden Hotels. Alden Hotels? Yes. Isn't he working for the Kraft Hotels? No, he works for the Alden Hotels. I'm sure you recognize your husband's handwriting. Go ahead. What do you, you mean to say you remember a long number like that and you can't recall your home address? Please don't do that. Now, look here, Virginia. I'm trying to help you, understand? If you'll just pay attention to what I say and answer my questions. That's what I'm trying to do. You see, you don't expect to forget your home address. So you memorize your social security number instead, eh? Once I lost my card and I couldn't get a job until I got a new card. And all because I didn't know the number. It's important, you know. And your address isn't? Well, I don't suppose I'll have to find my way back there alone. All right, I'll give you an easy question. I'm sure you can answer this one. How old are you? I
1943, she would give them $10,000. But they must investigate the case to the nth degree and make a report on it. I believe I can prove to them that I was never insane. I had no bad habits of any kind, and I'm willing to cooperate. And they can ask me any questions they wish. And Ron, yes, my answers all over the among all those people and at the same time I felt as if I were looking at them from someplace far away the whole place seemed to me like a deep hole and the people down in it like strange animals like like snakes and I'd been thrown into it yes as though as though I were in a snake pit a snake pit later weeks later I understood I remembered once reading in a book that Long ago, they used to put insane people into pits full of snakes. I think they figured that something which might drive a normal person insane might shock an insane person back into sanity. Did you ever hear of that? Yes. Well, it was just as though they'd thrown me into a snake pit. And I was shocked into thinking that maybe I wasn't as sick as the others. That I really might get well. You are getting well. I hope so. Dr. Kick was played by Leo Genn, Mark Stevens played Robert Cunningham, and uh, Leva de Havilland played Virginia Stewart Cunningham. The Snake Pit, that was before the era of antipsychotic drugs, and uh, one of the most horrifying parts of the film, in my opinion, was... Um, a silhouette of some of the uh, insane uh, women in this really sparse-looking dormitory. Just uh, It had uh, bars on the windows and mesh, steel mesh, and uh, it also had uh, bricks. That's all it was, was raw brick. Anyway, the silhouette of these people uh, walking around uh, was just horrifying. Anyway, this was released in 1948. It gives you an idea of what mental health was like then. Now, many of the um, psychotic people are out on the street, and the first responders are the police. What's the most expensive movie ever made? And how did ladies' underwear lead to the first hot air balloon? (laughs) (laughs) Answers to those and other questions coming up today on The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp. A chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Okay, uh, what was the most expensive movie ever made? Is it a recent movie? Yeah, it's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which I think was the fourth in the series of Pirates of Caribbean. And it's a Disney film. And uh, it didn't help that Johnny Depp's salary alone was $55 million. Jeez. (laughs) Jeez, not bad salary for a 2011 movie that got really bad reviews. Wow. You know what the cheapest movie ever made was? No, what was it? Uh, It was a huge hit and made lots of money. So one of the least expensive movies. It cost $60,000 to make in 1999. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What was it? It was the Blair Witch Project. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. That was was like the beginning of uh, reality reality films. It is. It was the very beginning. And they had great reviews and made back $248 million after spending that $60,000. 
Wow. That's a good return on investment. That was a scary movie. Okay, so how did ladies' underwear lead to the first hot air balloon ride? Well, <laughs> going back a bit, I imagine they had, you know, weren't there pantaloons or what were those Petticoats. Petticoats. Yes. And uh, they they were a bit flotatious. <laughs> you, you know, you're on the right track. I made that word up. But, now, this uh, is the uh, story of uh, the wife of Jacques Montgolfier, she washed a petticoat one day and hung it over a fire to dry, and the heat inflated that petticoat and caused it to rise. And Jacques Montgolfier and Joseph Montgolfier <laughs> launched the first hot air balloon in June 1783 at Annonay, France. Hot air from a fire inflated the balloon, and it's believed... They got the inspiration for that from Jacques' wife's petticoats. <laughs> Who knew that women's underwear could lead to a major well, advance well, in transportation? That is, that is I'm something. I'm sure women's underwear has yeah, slowed or yeah. stopped things. Yeah, they, wow. Okay, well, that that's kind of funny. What was the year with that? That was 1783. Okay. The first hot air balloon ride. Okay, Bob, what's the most hydrating liquid you can drink? I would think it's water. That's what I said. Yeah. But it's actually way down the list. Really? Near the bottom of the list. Yep. Okay. All right. The winner for the most hydrating, <laughs> you're going to love this, for the most hydrating drink is skim milk. You're kidding. No. It's sugar, protein, and fat. They slow the emptying of fluid from the stomach, and its sodium acts as a sponge, keeping water in your body. So it is the combination of the chemical elements of that drink. Of skim milk, and it keeps you hydrated longer than uh, anything else. Because you need a little of that low-level sugar for energy. But after that comes uh, Pedialyte. You know what that meant? Pedialyte? When the babies oh, were babies, okay. <laughs> Pedialyte was good for keeping them hydrated. Uh, and then there's sodas and juices with their higher content of sugars. Also empty more slowly from the stomach than water. Hmm. For hydration. You know, the guys in football, they're always drinking uh, Gatorade. Gatorade. Right. Yeah, so that's better than water, too. Which was invented for that purpose, as a matter of fact. For hydration. Yes. Well, there you go. Skim milk, Bob. Speaking of athletes and athletics and games, here's a question for you. How far back does flipping a coin to make a decision go? Football games, for instance, start with the flipping of the coin to determine who gets the ball. Yes. I'll bet it goes back to... Those Roman coins, you know, the pieces of eight. It does go back to the Roman coins. No, pieces of eight were Spanish coins. Well, pieces of eight were... Pieces of eight were Spanish coins. And Roman coins were Roman coins. So they were (laughs) flipping back then, you know, who gets the biggest jug of water? Cut your losses and let's get to the answer, Marsh. (laughs) The truth is nobody really knows. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Come on, you let me on with all that. No, what we do know is that using heads or tails to make decisions dates back to the 7th century B.C. and Romans. And the term they used was navia ot caput, meaning the ship or the head. Because back then, Roman coins had an image of a ship on one side and the head of the ruler on the others. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, what do these decisions have in common? What to name Portland, Oregon, and who would be the pilot for the first man flight? Well, does it have to do with your coin question? Yes, it does. Oh, surprise. Yeah, yeah. They were both decided with a coin flip. With a coin flip. That's how we decided to get married, wasn't it? Yes, heads, no. No, I don't think so. (laughs) It was a little more to the heart. Okay. But Wilbur and Orville decided who would be first to fly their airplane with the flip of the coin. Wilbur won the toss. Uh Uh-huh. 
but he stalled the plane and drove it into the sand. <laughs> After several days of repairs, Orville flew the plane, the and he time. made the first flight. Yeah, Aww. But up in uh, Oregon, two New England natives wanted to name their city after their hometowns, and Aza Lovejoy was from Boston, and Francis Pettigrove from Portland, Maine. Portland won. I was going to say, that's kind of curious that there's a Portland on each coast, isn't there? Now we know why. Yep, now we do. Yeah. All coin right. flips, coin tosses go back to 7th century B.C. or Fascinating, earlier. Bob. Fascinating, Bob. I thought so, Marcia. Okay, here's something relevant. What living creature today has the most eyes? Is it an octopus? No, or, we did or is that. It, or is it a bee? No, see, Remember some... he, that octopus had, what, eight eyes or something? Yeah. Uh, is it a bee? A bee has a bunch of eyes? Yeah, no. Okay, what is it? The dragonfly does. Really? And you want to take a guess? How many? I'll say four. Yeah. One for each side, one for the front, and one for the back. Very close. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) 28,000. That was close. Thank you. 28,000 eyes on a dragonfly? I know. Some species have more than 28,000 lenses per compound eye, and they see 360 degrees, as you might expect. (laughs) I would hope so. That's what I thought. They are also fast flyers because when you can see everything and they can go fast forward and backward up to 30 miles an hour <laughs> wow wow well that that 28,000 actually that speed is almost more interesting than the eyes you know because yeah, the number 30? of eyes is just like boggles the mind yes, you know at this optometrist heaven there oh with could the... you imagine yeah you'd have your whole career times 10 <laughs> on one, one dragonfly uh, we got another dragonfly <laughs> I know you've only been working for 45 years, but would you like to take a crack at this? Okay. Want to know more trivia? You can join us at theofframp.show on the web. Right now, it's back to Bob Rickman and OK Boomer. OK Boomer. And that wraps up the program for today. I'd like to thank Joe Graskowitz, Karen Jensen-Britton, Bob and Marcia Smith, and Janice Paul. Join us next week at the same time. I'm Robert Wickman, and remember, we all have options.